agnostics, long-haired weirdos, short-haired weirdos, vandals, hooligans. The government has the government love. The government has the government love. The government Welcome to the Politics Guys, a place for bipartisan, rational, and civil debate on American politics and policy. I'm Michael Baranowski, a professor of political science at Northern Kentucky University. I'm joined today by my conservative counterpart, Cleveland area attorney and defender of freedom, Jay Carson. Hey, Mike. Good morning. Hey, Jay. How are you doing this morning? Well, like uh, some of my uh, Northeast Ohio uh, uh, brethren, uh, off the rails, I'm afraid. Oh, uh, well, that's we'll talk about that later. Very, yeah, <laughs> very topical. Absolutely. Yes, we will be talking about that. Uh, also, we want to get into the Florida grand special grand jury report on uh, uh, election interference in 2020. Uh, some news about John Fetterman, Diane Feinstein and uh, the public's right to know about health issues. Joe Biden's balloon speech and Probably even a little bit more. We'll see how much we have time for. And we will get going with that in just one second. All right, Jay. So to kick things off, let's get into that Georgia special grand jury report. Uh, Late this week, Fulton County Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney released a portion of that report from the special grand jury that's investigating possible criminal interference in the 2020 general election in Georgia. The grand jury, which is composed of 26 Fulton County residents, they've been serving since May of 2022, so around a little bit over nine months. And their key conclusion from the released portion of the report is, we find by unanimous vote that no widespread fraud took place in the Georgia 2020 presidential election that could result in overturning that election. And in addition, a majority of the grand jury found that one or more witnesses, they heard from 75 or so, may have committed perjury, and they recommended that the district attorney seek indictments where the evidence is compelling. And while the grand jury unanimously rejected Donald Trump's claims of widespread election fraud, there's no mention in the released portions of the report of any efforts by Trump himself to fraudulently charge the change the result of the election. And in a statement, Trump's spokesperson, Stephen Chong, said the long-awaited important sections of the Georgia report, which do not even mention President Trump's name, have nothing to do with the president because President Trump did absolutely nothing wrong. Now, Judge McBurney wrote that the full report includes recommendations for District Attorney Fannie Willis, including a roster of who should or should not be indicted and for what in relation to the conduct and aftermath of the 2020 general election in Georgia. So that's what we know right now. And we, we have been uh, told that uh, that decisions on indictments are supposedly imminent. That's what uh, District Attorney Willis said back in late January. So. Jay, what do you make of these kind of brief portions of the report that were that were released, and uh, what do you think happens from here? Well, it's it's hard to say uh, based on what we know, right? Because what we know is very little. Um, other than I think it's a good a good sign that um, this stuff is is being released, uh, you know, for the interest of transparency. Uh, the sense that the, the grand jury came to the uh, conclusion that there was no. Um, meddling uh, one way or the other um, in the Georgia election, uh, I think is good not to reassure um, uh, voters uh, and and put put some of the claims to rest um, that that there was something uh, afoot that could have changed the result. Um, Mike, as you know, I've I've been I've been on the record you know forever for years, right? Saying, look, there's always uh, fraud in elections. There's always cheating. Um, 
it is most typically along the margins and not enough to move the needle. And I think that's that's what happened here. I think you could you could probably go and point to some irregularities and things that should have been done differently or or, or whatever. Um, but it comes nowhere close to the number of votes that would that would be needed to change the election. So uh, I think that's that's good that we have one more group um uh, in this case a citizen group right that's that's a citizen group blessed by the the uh, uh the judiciary uh that's sort of done the work and and come to that same conclusion um in terms of the the perjury uh charges it's really impossible to to say one way or the other because we don't know um who's alleged to have committed perjury and what they allegedly said and didn't say and all that so um yeah, I think we just have to, to wait and withhold judgment there. I, I will say I'm 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 not necessarily a, always a fan of of these type of perjury um, charges to the extent that uh, you can get people pulled into perjury traps or pulled into situations where well you believe one witness and you don't believe another and therefore it's perjury and I, I that that troubles me right. Um, uh, it depends on what kind of perjury we're talking about and what kind of evidence there is for it. So. And yeah, and the uh, special grand jury and again, did and say again, the, that the, the evidence for a, a grand jury uh, to say perjury may have been committed is a much lower bar than actually sure. convicting someone of perjury by a clear by a, a beyond a reasonable doubt. And and they did they did say that uh, they the DA should seek indictments only where the evidence is compelling. And no, I mean, but that doesn't necessarily. Uh, I think uh, Donald Trump said this completely and totally exonerates him, which, of course, it you know, which, of course, it doesn't. Right. It uh, because at least in the portions that we've seen of this report, they just said that no widespread fraud took place that could result in overturning the elections. That's a that's a separate thing from the sort of thing to well, what we know Donald Trump said and did on that phone call to uh, yeah. Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. And just for folks, uh, just as a reminder, he said, oh, all I want to do is this. I just want to find 11,780 votes, which is one more that we we have uh, one more that we have because we won the state. And uh, Raffensperger said, well, no, you know, uh, I told you it's everything was fine. And but but I should also point out that oftentimes that one quote is pulled out out of context. And to me, reading it in the larger context before that. Right around that point, he said to Raffensperger, the ballots are corrupt and you're going to find that they are, which is totally illegal. It's more illegal for you than it is for them because you know what they did and you're not reporting it. That's a criminal. That's a criminal offense. And you can't let that happen. And to me, when I hear that, I I certainly think that Donald Trump is completely wrong. And not just this, not just this unanimous decision or unanimous finding of these 26 special grand jurors, but in all kinds of court cases, I think it's it's very clear that he's wrong. But as we've talked about before, it seems to me that based on that conversation, the the conclusion one would have to come to was that he actually believes that even if he is completely yeah. wrong. And that gets in again to yeah. the delusional or criminal sort of thing. And uh, looking at the context, it just seems to me that either he is like a Lex Luthor level criminal mastermind or he's delusional. And I think, you know, Occam's razor suggests delusional uh, fits the facts and is a much more, you know, clear and and, and straightforward uh, explanation for what's going on. Yeah. So I, I guess the, the other the other explanation 
would be sort of a, a little bit of a middle ground um, in that he was misled, uh, but was uh, will either either did not uh, go through the critical uh, thinking exercise um, to to dig himself out of being misled uh, or, or or was willing to be misled. Gotcha. If you know what I mean, I right? think it's willing to be misled. You know what I mean? It sort of, it sort of yeah. comes and he says, "Look, hey, Rudy's Rudy's told me that there's you know exactly widespread fraud and all that, and and um, so that's that's the that's the premise he's starting from, and um, uh, no amount of of other evidence is going to disabuse him from that that premise. Um, I, I think that that could be a um, again. I, I'm just I'm just pointing out there's there's a line between um, delusional and perhaps. Uh, too willing to believe what you want to, you know, yeah. believing what you want to hear. Right. Um, uh, so, and, and look at the end of the day, I don't know that that makes, makes much of a difference. And I, I would recommend people to find that entire transcript and read it because I think yeah. it's fascinating. It definitely, um, yeah, it definitely is. And it, 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 to me, it, I, I read it and I, what I come away with is yes, Trump really believes that uh he won the state that a um you know crime was committed that this is this is fake and you know the, the ballots were whatever um and he's he in his mind it seems he's he's simply asking raf rafsenberger to do his job exactly yeah um, I, I i think that's, and the other yeah. the other thing that's that's funny in that in that transcript if you read it is the call doesn't start out about that mm -hmm. um the call itself is about uh, the lawyers trying to get some information from the secretary of state, um, just just essentially getting, you know, raw numbers and that and it's it, it's really sort of a, a really, um, uh, uh, you know, prosaic, I guess, kind of kind of uh, conversation. Right. It's sort of, hey, can we get the, these documents? Secretary of State. Yeah, sure. We're working on it. And, you know, what do you need? And, you know, it, it's sort of the typical kind of conversation you would have between uh, lawyers and, and this sort of agency, right? They're mm -hmm. just trying to get public information requests. And then Trump sort of chimes in and sort of says, Hey, you need to, you need to find these other ballots. And then, and then it'll sort of come back to, yeah, if we could just get copies of, <laughs> you know, of those documents, uh -huh, yeah. you got, that'd be great. And, you know, yeah, okay, well, we can do that. And uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating read and I'm sure you can find it you know, free oh, online yeah. someplace. Yeah, definitely. It's all over the place. So, uh, I mean, my, my sense is that there, I, I guess I would be surprised if there weren't some sort of indictment that came out of that. It, it seems that the district attorney is, is very invested in this. And the question seems to be, uh, in a way, whether it's going to be kind of a simple, straightforward thing or whether it's going to be some sort of larger RICO type of thing, which she has had experience at successfully prosecuting in the past. And, and to me, that seems like more than a little bit of a reach. But I would also think that just because uh, just because it might not be successful doesn't necessarily mean that it's not potentially the smart political thing for the district attorney to do if she's interested in kind of moving up in democratic circles. And I, that's, that's yeah. a sin, that's a cynical part, part of me, but you know, and, that, and, that, and that's troubling to me that yeah. you would bring criminal indictment charges, uh, again, racketeering charges. Yeah. Uh, in, in order just to, to further your political career, if the evidence didn't justify it. 
Well, in, as you know, right, there's there's a lot of gray area. And so what the evidence justifies, there can be a slam dunk and sort of a very sort of iffy kind of case. And there's a there's a lot of discretion there. Right. I mean, it's not yeah. it, it's not like, well, the evidence is clear or no, we don't have a case. And and I think that there are a lot of factors that are that are pushing plenty of oh, well more than a few ambitious prosecutors to be the person who at least takes a shot at that that Trump scalp, right? I, I suppose. And again, I think it's uh, disappointing because I, you know, it's the, the criminalization of politics. And, and you, you can disagree uh, with with uh, the Trump call and the stuff he said and, and you know, whether whether he was delusional, whether he really believed it, um, uh, whether, you know, whether he uh, knows something that none of us know and, and he's really right um, sort of doesn't matter. I think that that drama ought to play out in the political sphere, not the, the criminal court sphere. Well, you know, right? I, I sort of agree, but I think Donald Trump is a troubling case for a lot of reasons because he has done more than pretty much just about any other president, Republican or Democrat, things that seem to cross over that line where they are. I mean, Richard Nixon maybe comes to mind and certainly there are a lot of Republicans who would say, well, what about Bill Clinton? But 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 it seems to me when you when you're a president and you're kind of right at that line, it makes it difficult because is it really criminalizing politics or is it ensuring that, you know, powerful politicians, the most powerful politician in the country doesn't use his power to try to overturn fundamental democratic processes? And, and I think so. I, I guess I'm a little more on the fence about, you know, whether or not this is a, is a good thing or not, because Donald Trump is a, is a tough case. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, 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 I get that, that it's different. Um, uh, calling the secretary of state and saying, I want you to find uh, X number of ballots is different than just going on Fox news and saying, I think the election was rigged. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so and uh, but, and, and but no I, other president, you couldn't picture any other president, maybe Nixon, but uh, aside from him, no other president, you couldn't picture actually saying those things in, in a phone call, certainly not in a recorded phone call, right? Because it would be, you know, the sort of thing, like you said, well, maybe going on. Well, maybe, in, maybe presidential fathers. I could I could sort of picture Joe Kennedy uh, on the phone to uh, Illinois saying, can I, you come up with some, okay, more, yeah. some more ballots, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Again, that was a different time, different day, but yeah. Yeah. So, but so do you have a, do you have a prediction on whether or not you, I, I think that there will be uh, indictments or at least an indictment uh, uh, out of this. Uh, what do you think? I have no idea oh, okay. <laughs> you know, because it's so, it's so hazy, right? It's, it's, well, we might indict some people for perjury. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, so and and I, I wouldn't think Trump could be indicted for perjury because uh, he couldn't he be indicted for perjury because he didn't testify because he hasn't made any statements yeah. under oath. Exactly. So, so he, if yeah. he were indicted, it would be for for other things. Certainly, part of some yeah. criminal conspiracy to try to uh, uh, break uh, to try to violate election law. Yeah. Or something now, like and now maybe now maybe that's the the first step, right? Maybe that's the plan. Is they'll say, oh well, here's this person uh, who lied under oath under Trump's direction. So there is sort of a um, uh, you know, that, that piece of it. Um, but I'm not clear what they would, what would those people lie about? Right. Yeah. I, that isn't, I mean, right. It's all in the tape. So yeah, exactly. There, well, there's, yeah, there's, 
a lot that we don't know, but I think in the, in the weeks to come, we will find out, we'll find out more and we'll come back to this. All right. So, you know, it's been just over two weeks now since a Norfolk Southern train derailed near East Palestine, Ohio. And while nobody was hurt in the accident, which the uh, NTSB, National Transportation Safety Board, believes was caused by a faulty wheel bearing on one rail car, uh, though that hasn't been confirmed yet, 11 of the around three dozen cars that were were derailed were carrying hazardous material, including five with vinyl chloride. And if you inhale, all that can cause respiratory neurological problems and uh, longer term associated with liver damage and higher cancer risk. So serious stuff. And due to concerns about the possibility of a catastrophic explosion inside one of those vinyl chloride containing rail cars, officials decided on a controlled release into a trench where it was burned off in a controlled explosion on February 6th. And because of the toxic chemicals that were created in this process, uh, uh, one by two mile area around East Palestine was evacuated until the 8th. And then officials said air quality is good enough to have people come back. And the EPA arrived on site really only hours after the derailment. They say the air is fine and the test of municipal water systems say the water is safe to drink, although initially the release of those chemicals resulted in the deaths of a few thousand fish. Now, because a majority of those rail cars weren't carrying hazardous materials, Norfolk Southern wasn't required to notify state officials of the contents of the train. Earlier this week, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine called on Congress to consider changing hazardous cargo notification requirements, and DeWine said, this is absurd. We should know when we have trains carrying hazardous material that are going through the state of Ohio. And Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg said earlier this week that the Department of Transportation had been making what he called historic investments in rail safety as part of that $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill that was signed into law in 2021. Buttigieg also pointed out a Trump-era decision to withdraw a proposed regulation that would have required the use of electronically controlled pneumatic brakes on trains carrying flammable liquids on the grounds that the safety benefits there were inconclusive and the cost-benefit analysis was negative. Uh, And uh, in this case, the PHMSA, which I think is an acronym we haven't used before on the show, that's the Pipeline Hazardous Material Safety Administration, but you probably knew that one, Jay. Oh, yeah. yeah they, they calculated that the benefits would be between 12 and $19 million per year, while the costs would run around 35 to $46 million per year. And finally, Florida Republican Senator Marco Rubio late this week called for Buttigieg's resignation. In a letter to President Biden, Rubio wrote that Buttigieg has repeatedly demonstrated a gross level of incompetence and apathy that is detrimental to the safety and prosperity of the American people, and that he continues to deflect any accountability for the safety of our nation's rail system. All right. So, Jay, uh, this is not exactly in our backyard, but it is, it is in our state. It's kind of, it, well, it's kind of my back. I mean, well, I grew, it's, it's closer it's, to your uh, backyard. Not far at all from where I grew up. Yeah. yeah so uh, what's your take both on uh, what happened and, and the reaction and these calls for, you know, uh, resignations and other things? Uh, what do you think? So uh, I guess we'll start with the, the last part first. Um, you know, in terms of calls for resignation, I think that's yeah, that that's political overkill and, and so forth. Um, that said, uh, I, I think the administration's um, response has been flat-footed. 
Uh, and, and I can certainly attest to sort of the feeling on the ground from a lot of people I know who, who still live in that area, um, that there is very much the sense of, uh, you know, where where are these, you know, and again, whether it's just, you know, merely symbolic, whether it's someone from the EPA showing up, whether it's Buttigieg showing up, uh, whether it's the CEO of Norfolk Southern uh, showing up who, who, who failed to do that. Um, there, there is whether it's declaring it a FEMA disaster area, all these things, it's it's been 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 slow to happen, right? And you look at the 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 very graphic images of of the fire of the controlled explosion, which is sort of like controlled explosions, kind of like the new mostly peaceful. Um, I mean, you it, it looks like a mushroom cloud, right? Um, uh, and the the you know, testimony of all these people who, who were saying, listen, I can't go into my house. I can't, uh, the videos of the, you know, you, you throw a rock into the the stream and the, the stuff that bubbles up. Um, and, and the perceived indifference, uh, of a lot of federal agencies. I think that's, that's been an issue and, and state, uh, as well. I think the states come in for some, from, from some criticism on this as well. Um, so no, I, I think saying, uh, um, uh, should the Secretary of Transportation be um, uh, kicked out because a train derailed? Uh, no, so I don't. I don't believe necessarily incompetence, but there there is a sort of a sense of apathy, right? Of of why not uh, be there right away and say, listen, uh, we see this is a big deal. This is bad. We're going to get you the help you need. Um, that that's interesting. It's, it's to been me. strangely quiet. I, it, it seems to me like if if. Someone were a first-time listener to the show, they would think that you're the liberal here. Uh, you know, well, there's something bad happening. Government should swoop in immediately with massive show of force and make it all better. Uh, and, and if they don't well, do that right away, well, then there's a problem. And, and you know, I wonder if your reaction would well, be the been, same. Well, it's been two weeks, right? But 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 <laughs> I'm saying, but saying let, me, let me let me let me finish yeah. here. I, I I feel like what exactly more did you want government? To do, and would you be feeling the same way about the reaction if this were a Republican administration? And and I don't know, but but it seems to me that the EPA was there pretty quickly, that uh, appropriate action was taken, and that I I don't know exactly what more what more would be expected exactly here, and so that's why in a way it feels to me kind of very partisan. But anyway, go ahead. Sorry. So, well, look, I mean, I would say, uh, first of all, I think I was pretty, I was critical back in the day also just of, for example, the way um, the Bush administration handled Hurricane Katrina. Um, was there was there anything that the administration could have necessarily done differently that would have changed the outcome of that? I sort of doubt it. Uh, but the the response from a political sense was was completely flat footed. Right. Um, and, and it sort of strikes me as that, that same sort of thing. Uh, can the EPA just show up and magically clean this up right away? No. Um, but I think, uh, people ought to have a, a more of a sense that of what is being done. Um, they just started setting up, um, uh, uh, sort of medical clinics to, to deal with some of these, these issues, complaints people are having. Um, I think there could be be further testing. Um, uh, your city of Cincinnati just shut off the, the intake from the for the Ohio River, um, uh, you know, as a precaution to do that uh, to to prevent any of these chemicals. Which, if if people know the geography, right, East Palestine is is not far from uh, the Ohio River, 
which then flows down uh, to Mike in Cincinnati. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I think there, there is, is more that uh, could be done. Um, it's concerning that you, you look at the, um, again, the videos and, and look, this can be misleading. I get that. Right. Um, and, and you compare that with the, the EPA's uh, statements. Well, look, the water's fine to drink. And you're like, Ooh, well, is but, it really but then though? again, I that mean, that's, means, that's the well, thing. There's, there's a, there's in the places like East Palestine, um, uh, there's a, there's a tremendous amount of distrust of the government uh, and the federal government in particular. Um, which so Republicans I, I work hard to work hard to kind of make part of their brand, basically. I mean, so, I, you know, when you have a I, and I think correct me if I'm wrong, Jay, I mean, it's mostly a conservative area, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, that's, you know, distrust. Don't trust the government has been has well, been the Republican say, brand for a generation that's, or more. That's right? sort of a um, is it a conservative area? Um, yes and no. I would also say it's uh, it would be very pro-union. Right. Uh, it's It's sort of. Uh, a populist, populist Democrat type area uh, that would have voted Democrat, I think, most years up until the up until Trump. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure how Columbiana County, how it how it went, but in my sense is it, it, it went for Trump um, probably in, in 16 and 20 and, and probably for Obama before that. Um, but but. I, I guess, but it's a, it's a yeah, it's a rural community. Um, it's one of these places, uh, small town America that uh, you know has been hit by uh, hit by drugs, hit by um, industry moving out, all those things, right? You're going to uh, channel so. JD Vance here, aren't you? In a minute, <laughs> sorry. It is no, I mean, it, what is it is literally? I mean, JD yeah. Vance was there, but yeah, it, it is sort of very much the the type of place that JD yeah. Vance uh, talked about and campaigned on. Yeah, before he would. Well, yeah, yeah. So, but you know, I, I should. Went all Hollywood. Yeah. I think it's also, well. A couple things I'll point out is number one, uh, I, I will uh, criticize Buttigieg because he made that point about that pointedly made that argument about well, you know, there was this regulation that was withdrawn, and he didn't provide enough context as to why it was withdrawn. Anything about the cost benefit? Not only that, but uh, I believe a senior NTSB official said that that would have had no bearing on this actual accident here. And so I think that's important to point out. And so, of course, I would say there's some deflection going on. But I'll also point out that if you take a look at uh, Bureau of Transportation statistics, statistics, which I uh, have in the last 24 hours. Yeah. yeah, that's the kind of thing I do, right? Train accidents have actually been declining quite a lot over the last 20 years. For instance, derailments averaged around a little over 2,500 per year from 1975 to 2000. From 2001 till the present, they've averaged around 1,600 or so a year, which is around a 37% decrease. So uh, overall, the stats look good. And so, I, you know, I wonder sometimes when we have some sort of a tragic incident, right? And this is certainly a tragic incident before everyone, of course, is looking to, to, cast, to cast blame. And we don't know enough at this point, right, because the NTSB report hasn't come out or anything like that. But it seems to me we're maybe jumping to conclusions saying, well, clearly every, someone's being negligent. And, and maybe that's the case. And maybe we need massive changes. And certainly I agree with Governor DeWine that it makes sense to at least 
even if you have any kind of hazardous tanker car right. coming you know, through. At least you have yeah, notice of what's coming exactly. through. Exactly. That seems to me to pr- be a pretty simple thing. But I would say before people start you know, calling for resignations and massive changes, that maybe we should actually wait and see what the cause of the accident was and kind of address the solution to what the actual problem was. So that that's kind of my take yeah. on this. No, no, no. And and I think we're on the same page on that. Right. Because, uh, again, I'm I'm um, I, I think I'm a realist and I tend to to uh, back away anytime someone says, well, geez, if we'd only had this rule that was was not put in place so many years ago, this wouldn't have happened. Um, I think that those are often silly arguments. Uh, and again, you're just trying to score uh, political points. Um and and I'm also enough of a realist to say that not every accident could be prevented. Um, there is, you know, that's that's an impossibility. Uh, my my complaint is is more the the flat footed politics of it, right? Um, that will tend to make uh, people who are already distrustful of the government right. even more so. Yeah, and I think where we differ on that is I, I think people who are uh, inclined to see the the administration negatively will be inclined to view this through their kind of selective perception as flat-footed, sure. and people who uh, have have a different view don't necessarily see it that way. Certainly, but uh, but yeah. But, I mean, here's here's the uh, uh, Trump is going to East Palestine on uh, Tuesday. Right. Of course. Of course he is. OK. But, I, you know, I, I'm just uh, speaking of derailments. It's, it's, but go ahead. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. No, I'm 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 just I'm not I'm not arguing the merits or anything. I'm just arguing the politics and the uh, the, the perceptions of of the people of East Palestine. If they're going to say who who here cares about um, uh, us. Right. Um, and Trump goes there now. Admittedly, he's got more time on his hands. Um, uh, but but you know, Buddha Judge does not. Biden does not. They did send the EPA director out. Um, uh, and also, I guess the, the the statistics thing. I'm 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 with you there. But it's kind of cold comfort. It's sort of sure. like if you're, yeah, you're yeah. diagnosed with yeah. cancer and your doctor says, "Hey, but the good news is overall cancer rates are declining tremendously." No, no, they, <laughs> and, and no, no. And there there are two issues here. There's the response to this particular uh, tragic accident. And then there is kind of the larger regulatory and policy environment. And they may be related, but they aren't necessarily related. And so I, I hear what you're saying. And so I, we can we can agree on the larger policy thing and disagree as to the uh, effectiveness and also kind of the optics, if you will, of the response, which is, I think, kind of where we're at. Yeah. And, and I guess maybe the, the, the part that, that I think that is troubling for a lot of people, right? Is it's almost this sort of it's the same sort of problem as the the mostly peaceful uh, uh, protest of 2020 is they can look and they see one thing, right? They see huge raging fires. They see what looks like a mushroom cloud. They see the stuff bubbling up from the streams. Uh, they smell this stuff everywhere, and, and they're reporting all these illnesses. Um, and at the same time, you have the government saying, "No, no, no, everything's fine." That's the disconnect that well that I see think is, that's is, where is that's where that's where I think the media pushes a lot of that essentially saying well let's let's focus on these these most uh, uh, kind of emotionally evocative images 
you know, I, and it was say a pretty big, it was a pretty big, well, fire. it certainly <laughs> was, but, but, yeah, I, mean, this, but I guess it, I'm saying, like so what, derailment so what history, you can see right? a picture of a fire and you can, you can shoot it and frame it in such a way to make it look like Hiroshima if you want, essentially. Uh, but that also, that doesn't include the context of what the explosion would have looked like had they not uh, drained that, uh, drained that substance and sure. done the control. And so, and, and, I guess what I'm saying is that I feel like the media is certainly manipulating people to get them angrier than they would be and maybe than they should be, which is not to discount the awfulness of what happened. It's just saying media, I think especially conservative media, has a vested interest in saying, look at this awful stuff government's doing and not doing. And oh, my God, Joe Biden is is the train wreck, the real train wreck here. That's a good one. Yeah, I thought. Um, I like <laughs> I'm going to use that. Um, no, I, but but I, I'm not necessarily talking about people who are watching it on on Fox News uh, around the country and say, "Oh my gosh, here's this big." I mean, I'm I'm talking about people who live in East Palestine who are are it's it's a it's a tiny community, right? right. Um, this is this is not. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I have uh, you know people in my circle, right. Who were reporting on Facebook. I mean, they live like 30 miles away that they can, you know, see the clouds and smell the stuff and sure. all that. Yeah. Um, so that, that's not, that's not just the media that is, Hey, there's a really, really big event that just happened oh, sure. in our community. Yeah. Um, so, and, and so no, it, I completely get the, um, I would say one of the, the most famous examples of that, you'd be familiar with this, but I think our listeners should look, I always like these little digressions. Um, the Cuyahoga River catching oh, yeah. fire, absolutely, right? Famously, um, it was a while ago, but uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, the last one, yeah, the the famous one in um, uh, 1969. Um, but what the the media did is they didn't have photos of the fire in 1969, um, which was relatively small because the Cuyahoga had caught on fire numerous times throughout the past. Uh, so they <laughs> uh, used a photo right. from a a much larger fire. Uh, that had been back in like the 50s or something or 40s even um, to run that story. Uh, and and it, yeah, it became a national big Joke, thing based yeah. on what had been sort of a, not, not that again, that's not to say the Cuyahoga River didn't need cleaned up. Yeah, it's better if it doesn't uh, catch on and, fire. And it, yeah. and it has been and it's, it's yeah. So, um, but uh, no, I'm I'm with you on the media blowing stuff up. But this, yeah, All this right. was a, a, yeah, the world's literally again. As, as I understand it, the largest derailment in uh, in U.S. history. It's is it was it? I I didn't realize. I think I, that's okay. That's 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 surprising. Well, to we can me. we can look we'll, that up. Yeah, we can. It sounds like you know. Well, it was not small. Certainly. I thought you'd have the numbers on derailments. <laughs> not not just just the general overall stats. Not on that. So all right. I'm not sure, and I'm not sure how how one measures derailments. Like, is it how many how many Cars go out. Yeah, I don't think a number of cars but, but anywhere close to the largest, but uh, they just, but. but well, we'll, we'll look that up. Okay, we, we definitely will. All right, moving on then. Uh, you know, this week, uh, some big news 89 year old California Democratic Senator Dianne Feinstein announced that she would retire at the end of her current term, which runs until January of 25, 2025. And also this week, Pennsylvania Senator John Fetterman 
checked himself into Walter, Walter Reed to receive treatment for clinical depression. And also this week, there was a memo from President Biden's physician was released in which Biden was said to be a healthy, vigorous 80-year-old male who's fit to successfully execute the duties of the presidency. And the common threat here is, of course, health concerns. Uh, Fetterman has had significant physical and clearly mental health challenges since his stroke that happened just before the Democratic Senate primary. De uh, Feinstein's mental acuity has been called into question for at least the last several years, and it's you know practically a trope of the right that Joe Biden is in obvious cognitive decline. So, so Jay, I guess I, I wanted to get your take on this in general. You know, do you trust the reports that physicians are allowed to release about their politician patients? And, and more broadly, I guess, should there be some sort of required disclosure or checking or testing or something when we're talking about people who serve multi-year terms and might not be all there? Yeah, I I would say no, I don't trust um, those releases. Uh, and secondly, I'm not crazy about um requirements um uh for for age and so forth i've just for for a lot of reasons um just because i think it's an arbitrary rule and you you cut people you lose some good people and and maybe you have some some people who are, are less good uh in there i mean you can have you can have someone who who does have cognitive issues uh, at a younger age um you can have people who are are extremely sharp later in the life um I think the while certainly it's important that uh physicians release um this information right and there's there's political pressure to do so um I think it's it's better to let this play out in the political field right if if people feel that their uh, leaders are uh not there mentally um then then that that well should be an issue uh, for the campaign and they should they should take it up and let the voters decide. Well, you know, and I hear that and I assume that would be your response. But then it occurs to me, let's take a case like John Fetterman, right? He's in year one of a six year term. And there are plenty of people on the right who say this is a guy who was clearly not physically, not mentally capable of handling the duties. And if we just let the political process make that, you know, an issue in his reelection campaign, well, that's half a decade that we are stuck with uh, what they view as a mentally incompetent, uh, literally a mentally incompetent to, to carry out the duties senator. And that's a, yeah. that, that's not a great place to be in, right? I mean, there are no recall elections for senators. No, so no, it's, it's yeah, it's, no, it, it's not. Um, but I mean, I've said this before, you either, you either like self-government or you either self-government or, or not, right? But does but um, does it have to be that stark of a uh, can, can there be no can, can there be no sort of uh, in between sort of solution to this? Does it have to be just wait six years or, or you know suck it up or or can't there be some like sort a, a of twenty a twenty fifth amendment for uh, senators or something or some sort of a you know I, I mean at, at the state level right there are plenty of states that have recall elections yeah and you know it's not uh, I mean and I think go ahead I I think. Um, you could certainly have whether it wouldn't necessarily be a recall election, right? But enough pressure um, that could could grow to to uh, induce someone to resign. Um, well, yes and no. You know, I mean, if they're, if they're simply not being um, look, because because eventually that that person is going to become a, a drag on the party. Yeah, but I think I right? think you're, the party's you're gonna, making the party's yeah. going to say the party the party is, would be better off. 
um, with Fetterman resigning and having someone else appointed. I think you're making um, assumptions about a previous era, and maybe that would have been true, but maybe not. Because, for instance, there were plenty of Democrats who uh, said to uh, said to uh, or said not necessarily directly to, but said about Justice Ginsburg, right? Say she really should resign. You know, her health has been kind of fragile, and we need to. And Justice Ginsburg was like, "No, I'm." I'm I'm fine. I can stay in here and I don't want to resign. Or plenty of people saying, you know, George Santos, he really should. He's a drag on the party and a horrible human being and lies about, you know, what time he woke up this morning. Practically. Well, I think they are forcing him out, right? But, I mean, it is going to be sort of a de facto. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yes. And I'm not not to this point. And that's that's my point is that I think nowadays oh, yeah. there's a new reality that just says, well, no, I don't I don't care what the party thinks. I'm fine. I'm going to stick it out. And if someone doesn't like it, we'll screw them. And that's why I wonder, especially in the cases of senators, where six years is a long time. You know, it's it's less of an issue with the Santos because we're going to have, you know, in 20 something months. Right. right, right by whatever. the time by the time we get through all the, the hearings and the uh, the, the fact finding and all that sort of stuff and uh, gather the petitions and, and so forth, it's going to be time for him to be up for election anyway. Exactly. And so, yeah. you know, I, I don't think it's it's a re, it's unreasonable to say our Senate terms too long. For that reason, or if they, if it's six years is a good amount of time, given the length of that term, should there be some sort of provision for uh, a recall election with, say, I don't know, you could do it kind of along the uh, initiatives and initiative sort of thing, where if you get, you know, X number of signatures, right, it goes on the ballot in the next, in, in the next uh, regular scheduled election. And well, what do you think about something like that? Um I think that's terrible. Okay. Well, why? Because <laughs> me, it, I mean, that's, me that's just making the system more democratic, right? Making senators more responsive. Well, but, but do we want more responsive senators? Did the framers want responsive senators? Uh, well, the framers didn't even want senators who were elected by the people. So exactly. I think uh, it was George Washington who, who famously said that the Senate should be the cooling saucer. Right for the the passions of of the uh, of, of the people, um, and they designed they designed a bicameral system um, for that very reason that you would have a house that is is immediately responsive uh, that ebbs and flows and does reflect sort of the immediate passions of the citizenry, uh, but you have a a upper house as they called it that that because they have longer terms and in originally weren't popular elected. Um, have have more uh, can be more circumspect right um and i i think that's on balance a good thing to to keep it that way my concern would be it just imagine the past couple of years we've been through um where you've had this this uh, 50-50 senate um could you, could you imagine it sort of be it would be a never ending election I think it is um, already. So that's the, why the, I, I of, yeah. of everyone trying to, yeah, close, but look, look, close Senate races. Yeah, sure. We'll, we'll move to recall them. We'll do all, all this kind of stuff. Um, and, and I think whatever benefits you might uh, achieve by removing uh, someone like a Fetterman uh, who, who may or may not um, have the, the ability to, to do the job, um, you would you would lose gotcha. in terms of just just chaos. So right? so you think there might be individual cases where it would be a benefit, but overall the damage done to the the, the system yes. would be oh, gotcha. Would exceed okay that's, that's yeah, a reasonable. Yeah, just argument. this yeah. this whole constant election of right? Because because look, we would say, I mean look look at um uh Georgia, right? Just the whole runoff <laughs> type election. Can you imagine if we if um if Herschel Walker 
uh, were to say, you know what, I'm I'm running a, a recall campaign. Uh, let's let's give this another try. Um, you know, I came pretty close. Let's uh, you know, uh, or or, or and, yeah. and then the you know Democrats could likely do that to to a Republican senator in a close a close sure. seat. Um, I think that would would just be uh, disastrous for uh, the overall functioning of of the government. And and I'm not someone who's crazy about the government functioning. Um, you know, well, and, and again, well, I yeah. think that 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 sort of that immediate election, that complete going on those cycles, um, would defeat uh, what's left of the founders' purpose in having the the Senate be the the more deliberative, uh, gotcha. more politically insulated chamber. Yeah. So. What about this is kind of a uh, halfway gesture, I guess. This, you know, the the idea of Jared Fetterman. What? What's that? I'm 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 with that. (laughs) Well, no, there's you know, uh, it's popular among the American public the idea that uh, you would have independently administered cognitive tests for, say, at least presidential candidates. There was one poll from 2020 found that 67 percent of Americans supported this idea, and 39 percent were strongly in support of it. And then now when he was asked about it in 2020, Biden said, uh, no, I haven't taken a test. Why the hell should I take a test? Uh, then he went on to say, <laughs> that's like saying before you get on this program, you're taking a test, whether you're taking cocaine or not. What do you think? Huh? Are you a junkie? And I read that and I tried to parse it. I thought, well, I guess I was like, you might need a test actually. <laughs> no, no one mentioned cocaine, Mr. President. <laughs> yeah, I don't know exactly what he's getting at there, but, but I, you know, I, I, that to me is not a crazy idea. Maybe not so much, and I understand what your objection is going to be to having any sort of a test that can be problematic. But in a way, it's almost kind of weird to me that more candidates don't take tests, release them, and then challenge their opponents to do that. Maybe they're afraid of what they're going to find if it's a truly independent (laughs) test. I don't know. Well, what do you think? So – Again, you you can anticipate my my objections. I'd like to hear what what do you think I'm going to say? Object. To? I I think you do not like the idea of adding qualifications essentially to the presidency. You question right. whether it's yeah. yeah, constitutionally. Yeah. Well, that, that was, I, I would have two two major objections that, that come to mind. First of all, one is the constitutional one that uh, look that's that's not in the constitution that the framers said. Oh, when you take a test. Um, uh, the, you know, again, you can say, well, they didn't have that back then. Or I suppose if you want to amend the Constitution, does that make it a better idea? I suppose it makes it con- constitutional, but then it's just a bad right. constitutional idea. Um, the other thing is, is I reject the um, the idea of uh, of an independent, that there is some objective independent um, agency testing body um, uh, who who we will entrust with uh determining sure. who leads the country yeah right well or, or at least determining well sort of, determining who is who is uh well it wouldn't even necessarily sick. determine that it would just be here are the results of this test and the voters can use that information sure. as they see fit basically just like with physical right. we we talked about right. how i mean so yeah just trust the experts yeah, well, you know that what's well no no what, I've, what, I've, what, what i'm saying is like like you Whenever I hear this, one of these officially uh, sanctioned releases from a presidential physician or something like that, say, oh, it's always he's in great health, perfect health, that sort of thing. He's got the, you know, he's got the body. Yeah, no one, no one has ever said, oh man, this guy's got months to live. Exactly right. He's and in so, really bad shape. Yeah. No, nobody trusts these things, and so I can see the benefit of 
uh, having an independent body, an independent group, maybe three physicians kind of do a thing and, and release it and just say to voters, this is, this is just information. Here you go. It's, we're not telling you how to use this, but according to us, this guy has super high cholesterol. He's got clinical depressions. Right. There's this kind of issue and that issue. And that's, it's, that's all. Well, what do you think about that? Who, who picks, who picks the physicians? That is an excellent, there would have to be some kind of right bipartisan. This is where it gets body yeah. to, to pick the independent. And, and this is what I thought your other objection would be, which is why I think, you know, I could see this being something that a candidate would do voluntarily and say, okay, I picked this independent group or this group was picked. And, and, a, lot I, of them, and a lot of them do, right? And, and again, I, I, here's the thing is I don't believe in an independent group. Okay. Right. I think, I think, and this is sort of, um, oh, I do have a recommendation. You'd ask whether I had recommendations. I, and I do have one. So if we do that, I'll, I'll bring okay. Um, but to me, this is sort of the, the major problem of progressivism um, is the belief that there is the um, uh, a completely objective, independent, um, nonpartisan expert that that person exists. And the conservative view is human nature tells you that that person does not exist. Right. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, which is why I would say that there shouldn't be one person who's picked as the expert. Uh, I'm not even suggesting that this would – I would not be for this as a mandatory thing, certainly. But it certainly would be – I would like to know how Joe Biden and Donald Trump and other potential candidates do on uh, tests of cognitive function. That would be useful information for me to have in, in making my voting decision, I would think. Oh, it'd be total, and, and it would be totally fun. Yeah, right. yeah, it would. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, no, I mean, they're looking. Okay, you take the same test and you outscore the president. Yeah, I mean, um, no, no doubt. Uh, and and I think, yeah. But, I think at one point Donald Trump uh, pretended to do that. He some somebody I think it was on Fox News and someone gave him like five terms and asked him, you know, a few uh, a few minutes later, can you remember those words? It was like I don't know, like pickle pencil. That's what he remembered well, and he talked about that for a while <laughs> to show that his mental yeah. health was. <laughs> He was perfect. He's yeah, he's, exactly. really, he's probably the you know the smartest man to ever hold the job. Yeah, I but, think so. Um, uh, it's it's no, I, that that just troubles me when when you have this because uh, I, again, and I, I I go back to the and I think especially something like cognitive function, um, that is is something that's sort of tricky. Uh, I think to to quantify, and I know I'm sure you can. Well, in, in gray it, areas, right? But it, it, yeah. and it's what to. So if you say, well, look, uh, Joe Biden gets an 81, um, yeah. Trump gets a 78. But if someone know. gets like a 34, it'd be like, well, okay, that, right. that maybe is, you know. And I'm thinking of instances like, for instance, in in Ronald Reagan's second term. It's Wilson. Kind of, well, I, before I'll go more recent in Reagan's second term, right? It's generally, I think, it's been widely suggested and, and yes. somewhat accepted that he was suffering from the early stages of dementia in his second term. And so it's one thing if you have a senator, one of a hundred, uh, you know, that's, you can kind of work around that. But if you have a president who is not in control of his mental faculties, all of a sudden that means that that's a big problem because then the people who are running the government that's not necessarily the president anymore, and that's much more of a concern, I would say, than in the case of a senator. You mentioned Wilson. That was the other example I thought of who was clearly incapacitated, right? And so, I mean, do we just say, well, that just happens every once in a while and oh, well, or what do you think? 
Well, we have a we have a constitutional provision for that. Right. Exactly that. Right. If the, the president is incompetent and can't perform the duties of his office. Um, so I, I think there it is. Right. Well, um, yeah, yes and no. Right. Because we have the same sort of provision for uh, Supreme Court justices. Uh, and, you know, and yet we there have been instances, at least alleged instances, where it seems like the clerks were running the, the were running the operation for certain justices who just couldn't quite do it anymore, essentially. And so I think the problem with having well, that. I mean, you brought up the Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but I, I don't know that there was. No, not with her, really I, much, I would say so much. Yeah, no. concerned that she was uh, unable to do no, the job. No, it was mentally. just a political thing of we'd rather have you retire now so we can replace exactly. you with someone younger and can't you die? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm saying there have been justices in the past where there have been uh, reasonable allegations that they were just not mentally sharp enough to be doing that job. And so Thurgood Marshall would fall asleep during oral arguments. And, and so, yeah, and you have an instance where, well, then who could happen to the best of us? Well, but I'm just saying, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. But I, I guess it seems to me that your position on this is, yes, this can be a problem in isolated incidents, but in almost any instance you can think of, any effective cure would be worse than the disease. Yes. I would also point back, this is sort of reminiscent of the, uh, what's called the, the Goldwater rule, right? Uh -huh. um, that came out of the, the 1964 campaign. Um, there was, there were a group of psychologists, psychiatrists who wrote this open letter saying that say it sort of just based on his, his, you know, speeches and demeanor and that they have diagnosed him as being yes. absolutely nuts. Um, and there was sort of a rule that was then put in place uh, for psychiatrists, and, you know, that it's not ethical to sort of diagnose uh, political figures uh, at a distance. Now, what you're talking about isn't at a distance, right? It's 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 taking a test. But again, there's there's different tests and different natures of tests. And, and uh, you know, I, I really. My my concern is, uh, uh, again, sort of a, it comes down to who watches the watchman kind of thing. Right. Um, I, uh, I, if you if you put, yeah, no, yeah, I, I, just, I was just thinking. I think I on the Goldwater case, I I, I would say that you know, uh, mental illness and defense of liberty is no vice, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> All right. So yeah, I, I think we're actually kind of agreed on this. Is that this these things happen from time to time, and there's no real good way to kind of deal with them without doing some pretty significant damage to the to the system. Though I, I certainly, as a Democrat, I am glad that that Dianne Feinstein is is going to not be running for re-election, and there are plenty of people who are eager to take her place. The sound of senatorship that works for me, probably not as well as it would work for well, you. Certainly. Although there was there was some sort of. Um I don't know whether you read this sort of uh, a little bit of concern about that. that did she know she was retiring? Um, oh, I think there was some uh, confusion about what the initial. She, yeah. You know, someone, someone asked for a comment and she's like, you know, on what? And they said, well, you know, Senator, we released the statement that I'm, you know, and she had said, oh, no, I'm, you know, there was. Yeah, I, I think it was uh, the confusion as to whether she was stepping down immediately or whether she would just not seek reelection. So but, but I think it is definitely uh, a pastime for for that. And that that'll be a, a positive change, certainly. All right. But, but I mean, I want to I want to weigh in just one other. Yeah, no, please this do. Is, this is going to go to sort of a, a little bit of a Burkean sort of thing. But oh, I, sounds good in to the me. past. And I think to some extent it, it still works now that, that there is uh, there is a, a role for uh, political parties to play here. Right. Um, Ideally. Yeah. And I I they're, they're probably they're probably doing it correctly in the Feinstein instance. Um, 
of of being able to go and suggest strongly that you know listen it's time to move on we need to move this person out um because one if you have someone who is is not competent uh to campaign or to do the job um that hurts the party long term uh and, and overall so there's there's an incentive uh and it's also something that can be done um you know sort of it's it's almost like the 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 difference between a you know family member sort of dealing with uh, you know crazy uncle joe and how you deal yeah. with them uh versus having the state come oh, in yeah, and definitely. have them come- yeah i absolutely agree yeah you know i i guess i would say also that this was the sort of thing that would be easier for the party to uh exert pressure in an era where parties had more leverage to do that sort of thing and and now it's yeah. much more challenging which is sometimes i look back to that kind of smoke filled room sort of era of of stronger parties and party elites having a more of a role in the process and think you know hey that if uh, had that been the case in 2016 for instance you know donald trump would not have been president of the united states and that to me oh, sounds yeah. like a pretty good outcome on a lot of for abraham for, lincoln was a product of the smoke-filled room. You know, right? absolutely. Right? I mean, that's, yeah. and, and Donald Trump wasn't. So there you go. So maybe there's something to be said for at least bringing a little more smoke back into those those rooms. I don't know. At least I think so. But another topic for another day. Jay, you know, you mentioned that you had a recommendation. It came to you when we were talking about one of the stories. So why don't we go into that before we close? So, okay. So I have, one of the things I'm, I'm reading, um, and it's, it's one of the sort of picked it up and put it down um, uh, a couple times because it's sort of a big, big thing. Um, uh, George Will, uh, conservative sensibility. Okay, yeah. Um, which he wrote a couple years ago, and I've I've always been a big George Will fan, and he sort of represents the brand of conservatism um, that is, is sort of my brand, um, and it it again sort of seems to be waning uh, in these days. Um, but he has one chapter, right? And this, the chapter is like seventy pages long. But it's about, you know, sort of the, it starts with here's the conservative view and where, where it comes from. And, and, uh, based on a lot of the, you know, natural law, John Locke, enlightenment, uh, type, type founders, uh, framers, where they got these ideas. And, and one of the, the fundamental things is you are a, an individual person and that entitles you to, to rights. Um, whether you want to say it's, it's, uh, it's endowed by your creator or whether you're, it's just as virtue of a human being, however you, you frame it. Um, it's that the individual has has rights versus the state. And the second chapter then takes a look at the progressives and how they they sort of attacked that that notion. Um and it's it's one of those, I don't know, Mike, have you ever found this where there's stuff that like you've sort of had in your head for years. Uh-huh. And you sort of try to articulate it. Yep. Um and maybe do it poorly. And, and then someone do does it, it better. And you're like, like damn it. That's exactly <laughs> what I've been saying. Yes. Yes. I know exactly um, what you mean. Story of my and life. So anyway, George, George Will sort of, sort of does that uh, for me. Not that I haven't been good at articulating stuff, but he's just so much better. Oh yeah. Well, it's his, um, yeah, it's his job. So, and, and again, it, it sort of comes down to that. Uh, I, one of the, one of these core ideas that he mentioned, this is what reminded me of it is that the progressives believed in that there could be this sort of governance by um, disinterested, purely objective experts. Um, and and whereas the conservative view is that, um, uh, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Uh, and that there's no self, no such thing as, as the completely disinterested uh, uh, person. And you're, you're better off having this, 
uh, if you will, even cacophony, right, of of these different voices sort of slugging it out and getting some sort of rough compromise. Yeah. Um, then you are having some expert on high who who can't be questioned. Um, and there was <laughs> some some really weird stuff. It, it, it talks about sort of you know Wilsonian. Uh, some of the statements that he made and stuff that he wrote, which if if you read some of like Wilson's writings, his academic writings before his presidents, you're going to read this and you're like, this is scary as hell. <laughs> this is like, um, yeah, it's, it's, you're like, yikes. Um, but, but there's, yeah, there's, there's very, I mean, very uh, undemocratic uh, as we would understand it today. And just about, look, you know, the people are so damn stupid. They can't do anything. And, you know, they don't, know what they really want or, or, you know, it's up, it's up to us uh, enlightened uh, people to, to, uh, uh, to, to, you know, you turn them around. Um, but, but it's not like that's an so. entirely crazy idea. And I think that where the, where modern populism goes wrong is that they completely reject all of that and say, well, it's, you know, it's not just, well, you should at least not implicitly trust experts, but it's just that you should implicitly distrust all experts. And there is no such thing as expertise. Exactly. And, and so yeah. I, I don't necessarily disagree with you or George Will, but I think there are plenty of populist conservatives who just take the thing to a ridiculous extreme. No, that's fair, that's fair enough. Um, but like I said, that, that came down to my, my recommendation just because that reminded me sure, of that. Absolutely. Um, and I think it's it's some sometimes uh, important to reflect on how these how this plays out though, right? And this is this is something that George Will wrote. I want to say this came out and it was post Trump, but um, not very not by much. So and George Will's is always. I mean, he's he has a way with words certainly, and he's a he's a pleasure to read, even if you disagree with him. At least that's been my experience. So I think that's a great recommendation. My recommendation is a website called Consensus I, I came across in the last week or so. It uh, What it does is it uses uh, artificial intelligence to answer questions based on scientific research papers, speaking of expertise. Uh, and so it's really See, kind there of, you go. Why well, do we even need to elect anybody, man? <laughs> well, it's really kind of interesting. I, like, for instance, I typed in uh, the question, is Congress becoming more polarized? And I got actually much better results than I did when I typed the same question into, say, Google Scholar, which would kind my initial go to. What do you mean by much better results? Better results in terms of that they were more on point. They were more directed to the actual question I was interested in, as opposed with Google Scholar, it was just like a lot of sort of, well, not as not as targeted sort of thing. But not better in terms of the result that I wanted. Just better in terms of more more clearly and closely address the question I was actually asking. Understood. So it, it's kind of you can do it with all kinds of stuff, not just political stuff, you know, and uh, it, it's a lot of fun to kind of play with. At least I found it to be. So. Was, is that was that where no, where you came somebody else, um, the uh, the writer rap song in the, the style of Public Enemy? No, uh, Justice Alito. That is that is chat GPT. Entirely different yeah, kind of AI um, sort of thing. Which which, again, that's that's I, one of those. I, um, you, have, you have not you. It sounds like you have not. You are you the one person in this country <laughs> under the age of sixty five who has not been on uh, been on Chat GPT? Jay. I am, yeah, I am. I guess. Oh yeah, my I haven't, gosh, uh... you got to give it the program already. Yeah, I've I've written. I I actually wrote my at least the first draft of my annual performance review uh, document on Chat GPT. I won't be submitting that one. But, oh yeah, it's a lot of fun, Jay. I think my recommendation for you, Jay, is to get on that and the the. All right, I will check that out. <laughs> absolutely. So I think listeners will agree. You should definitely do that. All right, so. 
That is it for this week's show. We have a bunch of stuff we want to cover in our midweek supporters exclusive show. We're going to be talking about Biden's balloon speech, why Jay's Republican Party wants to destroy Medicare and Social Security, or if they actually is true, uh, the practice of Senate blue slips, which allows one senator, at least potentially, to stop judicial nominations and how we feel about that. And if we have time, the latest in our segment on American greatness, in this case, we'll be talking about American health care. All that's going to be on the midweek show. You'll get that if you are a supporter. If you're not a supporter, we hope you'll consider becoming one because without supporters, we couldn't do this. And when you become a supporter, you don't just get the midweek show. You get ad-free versions of everything we do, a bunch of other good stuff at various levels. To check it all out, go to patreon.com slash politicsguys. You can also support us on Venmo or at politicsguys or through PayPal. All of our support links are always in the show notes as well as at politicsguides.com slash support. And if you'd like to get that midweek show, but you're not in the position to financially support us right now, totally not a problem. Be happy to hook you up. Just send me an email, mike at politicsguides.com, and I will get that set up for you. And whether you're a supporter or not, it really does help us out if you can spread the word by rating uh, the show on whatever podcast app you're in, writing a review, and sharing episodes on social media. And if you want to get in touch with us for any reason, you can do that at mail at politicsguys.com. There's our Discord channel for supporters, which is always a lot of fun. And we're also on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll find links in the show notes. And finally, before we go, a very special thanks, as always, to our wonderful executive producers, Bruce Johnson, Wilma Moreno, Andre Masker, Daniel Toe, Ryan Beasley, and Don Oglesby. We'll be back with a new episode for you next week. We hope you'll join us.